Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's an exciting time of the year for WWE Money in the Bank, live from Stamford, Connecticut at WWE World Headquarters this Sunday. And without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action, and we have the best place for you to go, my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, Try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. And if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV, that's capital BLV, to activate the offer. Once again, that promo code is capital BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie bet win get paid my bookie today is monday may 4th 2020 may the 4th be with you this is not going to be one of those fun star wars days though ladies and gentlemen still stuck in the house whether it's getting nicer which hopefully means we're getting closer to the end of this madness i mean we're hearing that major league baseball wants to kickstart the 2020 regular season no later than july 2nd which I guess is good news, but it, I mean, this is like their fourth plan in the last month to kickstart the season as early as possible. So you're going to have to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, my guest on the show today knows a lot about baseball, Barstool Sports blogger Eric Hubs. Hubs, he's also the host of Barstool Sports' number one, and I guess only for that matter, New York Yankees podcast, uh, The Short Porch, which he hosts with Tommy Smokes and Marty Mush. I'd say he's handling quarantine pretty well, I'd say. Just had 2009 World Series champ Nick Swisher on his show, The Short Porch, this last week, which is available, by the way, on all podcast platforms right now. And it was awesome getting to talk to Eric for a little bit. So let's get into episode 189, presented by Belly Up Sports. Be sure to follow Belly Up Sports on Twitter and on the IG at you guessed it, Belly Up Sports. And if you're into banging weights, eating sticks, and sleeping aids, head on over to MeccaNutritionStore.com right now using the promo code OSHO20. That's capital O-S-H-O-W-20. Remember, swallows the goal, size is the prize. Hit it, Hootie. obviously like you still got the podcast going every week i feel like that probably isn't affected as much because you guys can just like do this all the time nothing's nothing's really affected aside from like random stuff that would happen in the office that like cameras would catch right blog is like busier than ever oh yeah uh, that's right and everything so like the website's uh, good to go i mean i feel like it's we're even doing more so um we're we're very unaffected by this i feel like now, obviously, with the podcast, you guys just had Swish on. Like, do you, do you think that was an interview? Like, obviously, a dream interview for a lot of Yankee fans. I know if I had to choose one former Yankee to have on a podcast or even just to talk to for a little bit, it's Nick Swisher, just like the most out- outstanding guy ever, most upbeat guy ever. Was that kind of an interview that, like, obviously, you would want that interview, but, like, it, it was able to happen now that everybody's kind of stuck in their homes? Like, was it a lot easier getting in touch with them now than it would have been before this? I think Canley was more easier, that w- was more of a quarantine interview than that. Um, Canley's been tough to, um, always tough to reach because he doesn't have any social media, so we had to go yeah. to the and all that. But Swisher, we've, like, almost had on in the past. 
Um, it was just a scheduling thing at that point. Um, it's easier, obviously, to contact these guys and get them with, uh, you know, obviously being at home. Right. So, but I would say Canley was more of a product of that than Swisher. Do you feel, um, obviously, Luke Voigt, you guys love him from, from what I've seen. Is yeah. What's your quote-unquote dream guest going forward, given that, again, we have all this time and you guys can contact anybody that you want? I mean, Aaron Judge would certainly be a dream guest. Yeah. Uh, Derek Jeter would certainly be a G- dream guest. Um, A-Rod would certainly be a dream guest. So, like, those guys are, I mean, but originally, like, it was guys like Voight, and it was guys like Canley and Swisher. So, you know, we're, we're getting there, and we're, you know, slowly but surely, like, you know, moving up and uh, getting these big interviews. So it's it's pretty cool to see. But, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, shoot for the stars and, yeah. you know, aim aim high. So. Now, now, for me, like I said, aspiring, I'm majoring in sports journalism in school, aspiring to do uh, what you do and beyond in sports broadcasting as well. I'm always interested to hear these stories because I have one of my own, just went to my first Yankee game growing up, immediately started writing about it when I was seven years old. But yeah. What's your story of wanting, because obviously a huge Yankee fan growing up yourself, what, what's your story behind wanting to get into writing, blogging, and eventually podcasting? I've always liked writing. Um, yeah. I, I've never, I was never a math guy, even though I was pretty good at math when I was younger. But I, I, I was never like a historian or any of that. And obviously, I love sports, so I always wanted to combine the two and write about sports. So um, I did a little bit in college, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, I've just always when people, when you get like assigned essays in school, like I never really have a problem with just right. writing about it. Like I'd much rather just write down the answer than try and solve for x you know so um i don't know i just i've always i've always had a passion for it um and obviously sports and the yankees have always been number one so combining the two is kind of a no-brainer now what 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 would you uh, major in in college because you went to syracuse right pretty irrelevant majors it was so i went to syracuse and like the big school to uh be in there was uh newhouse yeah i wasn't in newhouse um, so I was in, I was in visual performing arts, um, which, and then I majored in like the, the communications of that. So it was communications and rhetorical studies, Yeah. which if you look at like the alumni list, it's very boring. These guys have pretty boring jobs and like, they don't have really what I have. So I, I don't think my major had anything to do with what I ended up getting. I don't think you, you don't need a, a degree to, to be successful right. at Barstool. Like they don't judge you on that. Um, I'm certainly, it certainly helped. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, no, I'm, I didn't really learn much from my major. <laughs> no, you just went back to Syracuse for a game, right? I I saw pictures like Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Jimmy Fallon sitting in front of you guys. What was that whole experience like? You guys ended yeah, up grabbing a picture, uh, right? Yeah, we have a mutual friend, this guy Adam Weitzman, um, and we were in the same group together. So I, I had known about it a little bit beforehand. Um, but uh, the Jimmy Fallon thing was last minute. But, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a wild day. Um, it was a great – I mean, they, they lost, which sucked, but yeah. – uh, being with them, hanging with them afterwards for a little bit, pretty surreal. I mean, as surreal as it gets. I, I don't really hate them as much. I'm a Packer fan, so yeah. like you know, if I was a Jet, my buddy who was with me was a Jets fan, so he was he was feeling mixed emotions there. But I mean, I, Edelman's a Barstool guy, so I respect him. So it was great. Oh, yeah. uh, but like, I, we were just like, there was a period after the game where we were just in a smaller room, and Brady's taking pictures of all these people, and Edelman's just kind of hanging back, and being him. We're kind of just um, going back and forth. We're, we're just talking like normal people, right. like as if he's just a normal guy. And that's just like how he comes across. And it's very cool because uh, he's a super, super famous dude. 
So to see him like that was very cool. Now, how did you grow up a Packers fan? So obviously, I'm from New Jersey right, right now. Um, so my whole family Yankee fan. My dad big Yankee fan. My dad was a Giants fan. Um, but at our 4 o'clock on Sundays, usually Favre was the Fox game of the week or whatever. Right, so yeah, it was always yeah. on TV. And, um, I mean, how can you not? Like, I, I just fell in love with the way he played and how much fun he had. And my dad yeah. loved Favre. So he was always on the TV when he could be. Um, and, and I don't know. I, the Jets were just so boring at the time with, like, Curtis Martin and Vinny Testaverde and the Giants and Terry Collins and... I hated Tiki Barber, and I just hated all the Jets and Giants fans. I never wanted to be one of them. And I was like, well, I'm just going to root for fucking Favre. This is awesome. So I I ended up, uh, you know, gravitating towards him and just rooting for the Packers ever since. So So, so I grew up a Cowboys fan. I'm in Jersey, too. Everybody else in my family's Giants fans, and it was just one random... Giants Cowboys game. I got into a big fight with my dad when I was like eight or nine years old, and that's really when I started watching the NFL. And Cowboys won in overtime, and he was really pissed. I'm just like, I'm a Cowboys fan now. Yeah. And to this day, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Yeah, that's. I mean, as long as it happens, <laughs> you kind of decide your team. I feel like right away and like before the age of like ten, then like I don't know, you're okay with me. Like yeah. people, there's all those are like all types of people on Twitter who want to make the rules for you and be like, oh, you can't be a fan because I said so. I'm like, well, no, that's not how it goes. I don't actually care about you at all. So, um, so I don't know. I, I, I get a lot of brushback for it, but I don't really care. <laughs> so growing, so when you discovered that, like, this is what I want to do, I want to be a writer, what was the whole experience like approaching Barstool? Because I know it all started with an email for you reaching out and uh, then basically saying, like, when can you come in? Like, what was that whole experience like when you first yeah, I got that I opportunity? Yeah, I don't even know if it was, like, just a play. Like, I didn't, when I graduated college, I didn't have any, like, aspirations or anything. Right. Like, I didn't have a high GPA. Like, I didn't no. have offers from all over the place because... I had no reason to get on. Right. Like I just I didn't do much at Syracuse as I should have. Um, so I didn't even know. Like I wasn't like leaving college. Like I need to write. Yeah. Like for sports right now. Like I was just trying to get in the door anywhere. So I took this terrible. Um, excuse me if I'm yawning. I kind of just woke up. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I took this terrible sales job in the city that was pretty good pay. Um, where the cold ended up being cold calling. And I make yeah. 300 phone calls a day and try and sell ad space, whatever. And it was horrible. Yeah. It, was, it was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, and I was miserable. And after about four months, um, the internship opened up really like, well, Barstool moved to the city. Right, and then, yeah, you know, yeah. they, they were running their interns. And I emailed Kim Arco, as you said. He brought me in for an interview. And I kind of was like overqualified, he said, because he didn't really even want an intern. Never mind, he didn't know what to tell an intern to do. Right. Um, but I knew he had new responsibilities. and. And me and him, like, we're very similar people, and I was right in that judgment because yeah. we pretty much are the exact same person. Um, and uh, I don't know, I kind of just worked my way up from there, and he allowed me to write a little bit. Originally, I was writing college football because yeah. he let me write college football. I was going to write about anything he let me write. Um, and uh, that turned into the Yankees a little bit, and then a lot, a lot of it, and then the podcast and all that. And, yeah, rest of sister. Now, when it goes, when it came to pitching the, the podcast, obviously, how difficult was it getting that out there at first? Um, so originally it was just me and Tommy. Right. This is before Tommy became Tommy, Tommy Smokes. Tommy. Like, yeah, he, yeah, was yeah. Kinda, he was just entering Tommy at the time. Um, so we we decided. Oh, I pretty much decided. Like, I didn't want to do it and try to be on Barstool, like the the uh, official uh, podcast network, immediately. Like, right. 
I had never done a podcast. Tommy did a little bit with Fordham. I was like, we need to develop chemistry. I get this thing good before I even want to approach Dave or whatever. So we did it like off the network a little bit um, for about a year. And then once the 2018 season like got going, right before spring training, we approached Dave, he was on board, and then we went down to spring training and all that. And it really flew from there. And this is a story that uh, it was like a little over a year and a half ago. It was right after the Red Sox won the World Series in 2018. I was talking to uh, Jared Carabas, and he was telling me the story because obviously after the Yankees got eliminated in the ALDS, you were kind of like the dunce. You had to like go around and uh, basically yeah. it was like torture for you from what I saw. Um, yep. <laughs> he was telling me that um, you were going to have a watch party for the wild card game. And then... Yeah, so... Uh, I hate your question. <laughs> um, um, so, Giuseppe, stop. We'll go after. My dog wants to go for a walk so badly. I, um, I feel that. <laughs> so, it was when they played the A's in 2018. Yeah. Um, and I was just organizing a simple watch party for Yankee fans to go to who couldn't buy the tickets for the game. And, you know, right. they were priced out and all that. I figured we'd get people together. And then basically, so I organized that, and my problem was I didn't go through anybody, and it was stupid young Eric, you all make dumb decisions, yeah, and I really yeah. shouldn't talk to people, I didn't, it was just at a simple bar that we would do stuff at, and uh, basically like the day of the game or the night before the game, Dallas, Braden, Carabas, they're like, yo, we got tickets, like, let's do content at the game, and I was like, can't really pass that up with content and all that, so I don't know what to do, so I kind of just let the watch party do its own thing decide which is so stupid looking back right. at and um and you know and then Dave and the funny out and that's I mean it was a, he he was mad and rightfully so and um you know I messed up and whatever it was, a, it was a disaster and I paid the consequences and had to wear it and all that and you know whatever it, it was it was miserable it took it, it took a lot out of me it, it really like hurt my soul the whole the whole run and obviously the Red Sox ended up winning it all so it was equally as terrible but I guess people kept telling me that, uh, you know, to make myself feel better. They're like, this ended up being good for my brand and all that, getting my name out there and whatever. So, I don't know. Um, it wasn't great. Um, and I'm pretty sure Dave still hates me today for it uh, a little bit. Uh, but whatever. I'm still, I'm still here, and uh, we're still, we're still rolling with the punches. I mean, at the end of the day, you were still like a big part of that journey. You got to go to LA, watch the World Series. What was it like uh, when the Red Sox won the World Series? Because some videos that I've seen, obviously Dallas torturing you a little bit, Jared that entire honest, time. I, I really don't. Yeah, I really just deleted that part. Of my brain. <laughs> like, I, I barely remember LA at all, and it's not for because I was drunk or anything. Yeah. Like, didn't we didn't do anything? We didn't go out or anything. We just went to the games. And that's it. And um, yeah, no, I chose to. Re- I, I mean, I remember sitting there alone for a little bit, like in the stands as Red Sox are celebrating. But that's not a memory you want to remember or choose to remember so um, <laughs> I choose not to well, what about this memory the AL, what was it ALCS game three Yankees Astros last year what, so what happened here when you obviously doing uh, the live streams from the office and you yeah, guys so we're at the live stream right so we've been we were doing the live streams through Barstool Bets um, yeah. in the office and um, there would be there would be late nights um, and we do the podcast after every game during the playoffs so we're at the office till three in the morning, and there was well, I guess it was game two of that series where right. we had ordered Chinese food, and some people forgot to clean it up, um, and uh, 
people walked in the next day, the next morning, and uh, it was it, so it what the hell, man? Disaster. And yeah, it falls on all of us, especially me, because like I was running the whole thing, you know, I'm the Yankee guy, and it's my it's my stream, my crew, and uh, yeah, there, Erica wasn't happy about that, so yeah. they made us watch the game basically through the eyes of Ellie Schnitt, who <laughs> is fantastic. She works for us. She does yeah. talk, and um, she had never really watched a baseball game before. Right? Like, yeah. Farthest thing from like commentating it, so. They put TV in front of her with no no audio, and she had to basically tell us what was going on. As me, Frankie, Mush, um, Robbie Fox, Tommy, we just all watched the get Big Ev. We just all watched the game and have to live and die on her, saying <laughs> whatever. So it was it made for a really 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 funny stream. And like looking back after the fact, it's hilarious. Um, and I think like a ton of people watched it. It's one oh, of those yeah. things I think Barcelona's put out in years. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it was good to be a part of it, but horrible to be a part of it at the same time. <laughs> I mean, the game, obviously, underwhelming as it was. Could you imagine if that was Game 7 or even Game 6 no. when Altuve hit the walk-off? No. No, I, couldn't. <laughs> I could not imagine that. I honestly still look back at the DD almost homer, and I, I don't think it's a homer yeah. off the bat. Like, I don't know. Some people are like, oh, I thought it was in the upper deck. Like, I don't – it looks like kind of a pop fly that, like, barely gets out of Yankee Stadium maybe, so – I don't know. I, I I still disagree with people who freaked out about that, but yeah. who knows? I, I don't know if it was windy or not. I mean, it did, off the bat, to me, I'm like, that has obviously potential. Like, I yeah. thought that was a good 10, 20 rows back. I guess as a guy who watches every single Yankee game, like, yeah. you, you kind of, like, I, you know I, it, yeah. point, like, swings and shit, like, stand out to me. And, like, I don't know, that wasn't one of them. But, of course, that also ended up being a game where, like, um, the home plate umpire got hurt and taken right, out of the game. Yeah. So she had to describe to us what was going on. <laughs> and that's really something that's, like, never happened. So, I know. like... And it, you know, it wasn't raining out, we, and, and it was just 20 minutes of being in limbo. Yeah, nothing's happening. We were just like, is there a terror attack on the field? Like, what is going on here? So it was uh, it was hilarious. The fo- of course, it, like, she has to describe that moment. So like, we went through every single possibility, and that was not one that came out in mind. Like, what if it was COVID-19, and they just sent everybody home, and she had to explain yeah. that? Like, Honestly, the like that season's yeah. over. Yeah, like, if that happens in the future, the same thing happens in the future, like, you have to assume, like, yeah, there's a global pandemic on the field. (laughs) So, this is a question I ask all my fellow Yankee fans. What was more painful, 2017 ALCS or 2019 ALCS? Because I feel like they were both painful in their completely different ways. So, I'd probably say 2017, um, because that whole season just felt like kind of destiny in a sense like yeah like the young kids just like not giving a shit about what happens out there and like they, they they're, they're too early and yeah. all that but they don't care they're too naive and um i don't know just the coming back from the indians down oh two and then uh you know the, the, the three wins at yankee stadium just felt like magic and it just it i don't know it was just stunning the way like they lost but at the flip on the flip side i don't know it's tough because 2019 they had so many injuries. And it, honestly, actually, I'm changing my answer to 2019 because <laughs> they had so many injuries, and it just didn't matter the whole season. They won the division for the first time in forever, and it just felt like nothing could stop these guys. And they win the first game yeah. in Houston, and, it's, and they had the chance to win the second game in Houston and really take a stronghold in the series. And, um, and they sweep the Twins before that like nothing. So, yeah, I'm going to say 2019 hurt more because – that team was just better. That team was so good. Yeah. And they were finally getting healthy at the right time. A few of them. 
Um, but it just felt like the whole year, nothing could really get in their way because, like, you know, they had 30 people go on the IL, the most yeah. ever MLB history in the modern era, and it just didn't matter. So, I don't know. I mean, they both hurt very badly, yeah. but I'm going to say... I'm going to stay 2019. I, I think 2017 stung more for me in the long run. Like, it took me a lot longer to get over that run than 2019 did. Because I look at the 2019 series, it's like the Astros played like shit. We just kind of played like horseshit. Like, we just played right. worse than they did. Like, both right. teams played awful in that series. And and after game one, I agree with you. Like, we looked awesome. And even in game two, after Judge hits the homer off Verlander, I'm like, this is our year. Fine, like right. this is redemption after like three years in the making. Because obviously now everybody knows what happened in 2017 because we scored one run in those final two games. Because 2017 after game five, I'm like, it's over. Like we're going to the World Series. This is sweet. Yeah, there's also a play in game two, I think it is, where I think it's DJ. My memory's terrible, but if there's a ball up the middle that deflects and it goes right to Grant. Right, right. And throws yeah. it home. Uh, so I think he throws DJ at home. Throw, he throws DJ um, out at home. Yeah. But well, it wasn't that even was close, a play. Yeah. I think that either would have taken the lead or something. But that was, I mean, if that, that ball just doesn't bounce so perfectly to Correa and he fires home, like, I don't know, things could be different. So it, it's just, it's a brutal series to think back on. And not even that this ended up being relevant at all because it wasn't, but get Gary Sanchez completely whiffing at that ball in the dirt in extra innings in game two, and they called it a foul tip. I'm like, oh, he's going to hit a three-run home run right now. Like, this is destiny. And then he just right. swings it and misses at the next pitch. What, right. what was the scene like? Because I know this was like a big deal. I saw like you, Marty, Tommy kind of freaking out about when Correa hit the walk-off in game two. Was it that they, like, they just came back from commercial break? Like, what, what was that whole situation like that everybody was just kind of like, what the fuck just happened yeah fox was doing that a bit where like their commercial breaks were so poorly timed that yeah. like you'd almost miss a pitch coming in right and um and i feel like i don't know like usually you want to see the full thing and like be you know set the scene and all that and like they came back and basically the pitch was on its way and then all of a sudden it's out of the stadium so yeah that that was just it felt like it didn't happen it felt like it was right. a replay of some sort so that was that was brutal. I forgot about that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, given that everything that we now know about the Houston Astros, do you think that this pandemic is going to help them in a sense? Because when I heard like we all had to go into quarantine, I'm like, this is great news for the Astros. Like all eyes are going to be off them now. But as soon as baseball comes back, I feel like people are just going to be excited that sports are back in general. Like yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I don't I think the Astros are going to be hit Yeah, I feel like they're definitely getting let off the hook here. Um, like for sure, um, people. Uh, you know, I feel like things are starting to really ramp up in spring training, yeah. and uh, and and you know, come to a head, and it's just now it's just all dissipated, and it's nothing anymore. And when it does come back, people are just going to be happy to have the sport back. Like I feel like exactly. you know the hotheads and the anger are kind of going to go go away a little bit. That being said, maybe if they do this three division thing, and the Dodgers and Astros are in the same division, that could be a little interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, so who and I don't even know how the playoffs will work, but if you can somehow get a Yankees Astros championship or yeah. something like that, that would be wild. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it does suck that it's. I mean, I don't think anyone will ever take them seriously again. No. Like. Like if Alex Bretman tries to brag to somebody that they're a 2017 champion, like people are gonna laugh in their face, and I think that's that's pretty good. Um, that they're really like no one can. They, they I think they know that too. Like I know they still have the championship. Like man, right. was too much of a coward to take it away. But but like no one takes it seriously. So I, at least at least there's that still. Um, 
but yeah, who knows? Does the fan inside you think that they cheated in 2019, given how suspect Jose Altuve looks when he hit the walk-off home run? Yeah, I mean, if they cheated in 2017, and you know they cheated a little bit in 2018, you know they did, right. um, according to the report, then there's no reason to believe that they would have stopped cheating at any point. Like, exactly, why? Why yeah. would a cheater stop? You just keep cheating and keep trying to get his way. So, I, yeah. To me, I don't know, like, the whole daughter, like, the name of his daughter's tattooed on his chest to me is just like, is it believable? Like, I guess he can... No, not yeah, really, I don't know. He said, it took, he said it took two sessions, and something like that would take 30 minutes. So it's like, that's a bullshit excuse. I know, it was so, a small tattoo. Yeah, I don't know. They, they, tried, they kept trying to come up, like, he's shy, and then there's pictures of him being shirtless yeah. all over the place, and, like, I don't know. It's just... It, if you we talked about this with John Stern like if you hit a walk off home run uh, Gary Sanchez the same thing yeah. you hit a walk off home run to send your team to R- the World Series yeah. the my last thing off, you're going to think of is oh my wife's going to be mad at me if they take my shirt off yeah. like, you're going to black out in that moment and like just go fucking ape shit like there's that's what it comes down to like you're not going to think about oh my god don't take my shirt off here like you're not thinking about that that's just not what you did no. so um yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was all bullshit. He's a blatant liar. So is Correa. So is Bregman. So they all suck. I feel like if the average person was wearing a wire and hit that home run, you'd still black out. Like, you still wouldn't be thinking that. Like, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to walk off and run a wiffle ball in, a, in softball, I'm going to fucking freak out. So, like, <laughs> the World Series. Like, come on, man. Now, the Yankees, the Yankees and the Astros weren't supposed to play each other till the end of September anyways, right? It was going to be, like, the last week, like, pet well, race time. In Houston, it was going to be in May. Right, but you know, like, on the road at Yankee Stadium, that's where right, it was going to be more intense. September, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like at that point, like, I don't know if there'd be much retaliation, because to me, like, if the season started no, on time... No, I think that would have been... No, I, and that pe- Monday was the ballpark game. Yeah. I, I think... I, I think it would have been one of the crazier, like, experiences in a long time of her yeah. sporting event. Like, that first game in Yankee Stadium, September, both these teams, I assume, are going to be really good by them, you know, and probably yeah. locked up divisions at that probably. point. And I don't know, I think that would have and, – and there's a there's a chance that those teams would still be competing for the um, top spot in the AL. So those games are going to be very important. Yeah. So there's a chance – that that first game, that whole week, that whole week would have been crazy to me. I think that I think there's no way. Like it, maybe maybe during the season, it would have died down a little bit between you know the Astros and the Hate. Yeah. But that series it would have spiked all the way back up. Like Yankee <laughs> Stadium would have been a zoo. So I mean, hopefully, I mean, listen. Eventually, they're gonna have to come to Yankee Stadium at some point. Uh, yeah, I don't man. know what year it's gonna be, but whenever it is. They will not disappoint. Like the fans will come out in, in forces for that game. No, no, obviously the fans would go nuts, but do you think that there would be any, like, on retaliation player-wise, even if it was in the middle of a penalty? No, no, because if CC was still there, maybe, yeah. but, like, I, I don't know. I, I think, especially if this with this whole pandemic and everything, I th- think the players, I don't know, I, I, I can't speak for them, but I know yeah. they want to move on. Um, so, I mean, it would, it would kind of have to be, it would have to, it would have to be, like, if they were assholes during the season and they had certain quotes that bother people, like they kept saying the wrong things throughout the yeah, whole year, yeah, yeah. then that would, that would probably like escalate things. But if they, you know, kind of took a step back, whatever, not that they should, uh, the, the players, but, um, I don't know. I think it would, it would depend how the season goes for how that series would go with the players. 
Well, so the, if they were cheating in 2019 or anything else, 2017, 2018, 2019, the more the season went on and the more that they had to talk to the media, the more that was going to come out. Right. So, like, now that they're in quarantine, if they're smart, they're working with their PR team, if they even had one. I mean, it didn't even seem like they were working with any PR team during spring training, during right. those press conferences. But this is, like, their golden opportunity to set things straight or at least have a game plan going into whenever the season starts up again when they have to talk to the media. You would like to think so, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them, to be honest. I know they don't, Like you said, I don't know what money they're putting into that PR, PR department these days. <laughs> I mean, Jim Crane literally, in a five-second span, said... They didn't affect the game, and then I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Absolute buffoons. So this is a, this is a very um, basis question. Do you think baseball is going to be played in 2020? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what version of baseball we get, but right. we're going to get baseball. I mean, as long as, like, nothing horrible, ha- like, you know, as long as everything stays how it is and it continues to get gradually better, um, I think, yeah, in the southern states, they'll have games – I don't know how it's going to work exactly, but maybe some games, maybe some teams will play in Florida, some will play in Texas, some will play in Colorado, some teams will play in Arizona. But I think they're going to utilize those southern states that are opening up right now. And it will depend how the next month goes, where they're starting to reopen now, and we'll see how they're going in a few weeks um, and how they did it. And hopefully they did it the right way. Right. Uh, But I think we get some version of baseball uh, because these players don't want to lose money. Um, and the owners don't want to either. So um, and they want to get those TV rights and all that. Right. So that's what it comes down to. I don't know how the World Series will work and if you can even call it the World Series and right, all that. Right. But honestly, like, I don't care. Like, I, I, I don't care about the Yankees winning the World. Whatever this is, like, obviously want them to win. Right. But, like, I, I really just want baseball to be back. I, as a fan of the sport, like, I just want to wa- I just want to, like, be able to relax and watch baseball games again on my television. Oh, yeah. And to me, this is the perfect time because, like, obviously Rob Manfred uh, proposed that new uh, playoff format, too. Like, there's a lot of wiggle room here this season where you can actually try new things because it's not a normal season by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's definitely this is this could be a big year for testing stuff out. Like, you know, know, whether it's the three battle rule or, you know, minimal mound visits or, you know, the electronic strike zone, which I don't think is even close to ready, but I mean, they're going to try it. Um, maybe, um, but yeah, for sure. This is a big testing year, um, and you you, know, you use what works into the actual real real next season in 2021. Yeah, and to me, this quarantine thing is just perfect for Yankee fans and just the Yankees in general because it seemed like a repeat of 2019 last year. Judge was hurt, Stanton was hurt off the bat, Gary Sanchez had the flu. It looked like we were going into opening day with, again, kind of like that, I don't want to call it a B roster because they won 103 games last year, but everybody was getting hurt again, and there's really no explanation why that's happening. Yeah, especially in the offseason. It's like, what are you doing in the offseason? I know, like, like, stretch, stretch a little bit. and a, and a few of them were still lasting injuries from the 2019 season yeah. with that incompetent training staff. So, you know, like Severino was basically had this problem while he was pitching in the playoffs. Hicks, the same thing. Yeah. Um, well, Hicks, obviously, yeah. And then uh, Paxton, too. So it's like, and Judge, it seemed like also. So those are four injuries that, like, just didn't happen. They were new. They were just, like, lasting injuries that the last medical staff just didn't check out fully, I, which is crazy to me. Um, Stanton's was a little Stanton's was just like really man again but it's also like it was a minimal calf strain that he's like fully healed over I so I mean it, it's annoying that he just keeps getting hurt but I don't, he's the last of my worries right now um, 
I just want to know updates on Judge because no one really knows how the rib is healing and all that. It seems like it's okay, but I don't know. It, it would suck if, like, we found that the season got going again. We found out he needed surgery. And yeah. It's like he could have had it months ago, but um, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But right now it seems like they're going to be pretty close to healthy once if this season gets going, you know. I feel like, well, Stanton's definitely back. Hopefully Judge. Paxton seems like he's cruising right. along in his rehab. Hicks can't be that far away. Um, so, it, you know, it's a little optimistic. Obviously, Severino bad. Yeah, um, that's the only but one. But almost right. like a good year to kind of have Tommy John. Like, not going to be missing a whole lot, you know, and, like, we'll see you back here next summer, hopefully, and we can get you going a little bit. But um, at least they have Garrett Cole, I guess. <laughs> kind of. We haven't seen yeah. him pitch yet. That's probably right. the biggest bummer, signing him to a record contract, and now it's kind of the first year's kind of being wasted. Now, yeah, that – I just want to see – I have it pinned on my Twitter, but I just want to see Aaron Judge play baseball, um, yeah. like, fully healthy again. Like, I, I generally just miss that. Like, last year was such, like, a – it's just you know, whatever and uh you know he was banged out towards the end of the year and like him just healthy is just so much fun oh, yeah. even luke void too healthy luke void is so good at baseball people forget that like his first half of the year and the year before that like he's just so good at baseball and uh, i just want to see these guys on the field but cole obviously i mean i've been waiting years for this so I'm oh, waiting yeah, to see some pittsburgh be yankees so i i'm very excited to see cole on the mound. Now, with Judge, like, after 2017, obviously, like, full healthy season, Aaron Judge, he has the potential to hit 50-plus homers. And then you get Stanton. You, to me, when that happened, when we acquired Stanton for literally Starling Castro and prospects, to me, like, that's that's the M&M boys again. Like, that's 60 home runs from Stanton, 60 home runs from Judge. And I'm like, like in the back of my head, I'm thinking, like, I'm not thinking about the 500-plus strikeouts that they're going to have combined together. And then that season, obviously, Judge is out for two months. Stan picked it up when Judge went down. But other than that, they were never really hot at the same time. And, like, with Giancarlo, he's just hurt all the time. Like, there's interviews with him, uh, like, on TMZ, just, like, in the offseason. Like, yep, I'm good to go. I'm ready to go. I'm fired up this year. It's going to be a new me this year. And then he gets hurt in the first two weeks in spring training. Like, I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is a theory that, like, the bodybuilding technique yeah. that Stan and Judge kind of have, and a little bit with Voight, um, you know, with their crazy workouts, like that's just not meant for baseball players. So there's, you know, there's a school of thought there, and like you look at guys like Glaber Torres and DJ LeMahieu, and like they really don't get hurt. So it's, those guys are kind of meant for the 162 game long haul of the season, where guys like Judge and Stan, maybe they're just not, and they got to you know dial it back a little bit. Who knows? Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I want to see Judge and Stan cook together at the same time and get going and be hot because it would be hilarious. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sucks um, that they, they have these injury issues. And I hate when people, you know, I, I hate that, like, Aaron Judge's kind of, like, legacy right now is kind of a little bit tarnished because of these injuries. Like, I, like you go off that rookie year and it's like, well, wh I don't want him to be a what-if athlete, you know? Oh, and he's, no, still, yeah. he's only 28. You know, he's still got time. He's got probably seven more years of being – crazy awesome so um you know there's still a lot more to come but i just hope there is the more to come instead of just being more injuries now, now let me play devil's advocate here with you for a second so when the time comes because obviously all these guys still young still looking to get paid judge 28 glaber torres obviously still very young still is he now 23 now still 22 23 23 who are you like who are you paying yeah like who who are you paying if you're Brian Cashman in that sense? Because like all these guys are gonna have to be paid. You just paid Garrett Cole, 
uh, $36 million per season. Are you going to pay Aaron Judge, who's older and more injury-prone, or are you paying Glaber Torres, who has the potential to be your star hitter for the next decade? Well, I'm going to try and – if I'm cashing, I'm trying to lock up Judge quick. Yeah. Um, and if he wants to take a seven-year, like, $210 million contract, I give it to him. Yeah. Like, I think I think that's a, a reasonable deal. It's nothing crazy like Mike Trout or whatever. I think getting Judge for that money, like – I think that's worth it. And the seven years are great, and that gets you to his like what age thirty six season, yeah. thirty five season. So I'm signing up for that. Like I, that that would be the kind of deal that I'm offering Judge um, before he has another unbelievable year where he's healthy and he wants Mike Trout money. Because the end of the day, like when he's fully healthy, he's as good as anybody in baseball. I know. Yeah. His, like his eye, his OBP is near four hundred when he's cooking. You, you can't pitch to the guy. Every year he kind of gets better, and there's a new pitch that he adjusts to. Um, like his progression throughout year, every year, it's like, well, one year you couldn't, you you could do this against him. The next year, well, he took that away from you too. So now what do you do? And if they ever institute an electronic strike zone with him, then pitchers are even more screwed because he always gets boned by these like low, these low um, know, zone yeah, pitches. Yeah. They get called strikes at his at his shins. And if you take that away, you have to come even more to him. He becomes even more dangerous. So if you can lock him up soon, I know they're trying to, and maybe they're a little scared with the injuries and all that, but um, I don't know. I I, uh, I, I, would, I would lock him up as soon as I could. And then Glaber, you have more time with. Yeah. You're like, you know, but, I mean, he's going to cost so much money. Exactly. But you give it to him. I think you pay him all. You pay him all. If you're going to let one guy go, it's probably Gary. I would think yeah, we try and get, I agree. Try and get, you know, he's a catcher, and, he, and they have a ton of catchers in the system. Yeah. You know, Anthony Seeker's a guy they just drafted. Um, but uh, I, I I don't know. I, I, I really want to keep them all. <laughs> like, and they're the Yankees, and they can. Like, they have the money, too. And they were able to lock up Hicks on a short, you know, on a $10 million a year deal that goes for seven years. So that's nice. Severino, the same thing. If you can keep trying to get those around the team and then you can throw the big money at the big players, that's the formula, I guess. Now, to me, if I had to choose, like, obviously, Glaber, Judge, to me, I would probably keep Sanchez over, say, guy, like, try and piggyback someone for Stanton, get rid of that contract. Given, I mean, I don't know who would want him now. It's a tough contract to get rid of, though, because yeah. he has a no-trade clause. So he, he can basically say no, and he loves New York. Um, that's fair. And uh, he loves New York, and... and I feel like it's gonna be tough to get rid of that deal. So I feel like he's here. He's a life. He's a lifer at this point. I don't know. I feel like the Dodgers would take him in the right situation. Say he hits like forty-five right. home runs. He want to go there. Yeah. Like, he has to say yes. So he's he's the, from there, right? He's he from the, New York. Yeah. So I don't know. I, 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 I think the Dodgers would take him. Sure. Um, but it, a lot of things would have to work out, and I don't know. It's it's up to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, offloading that contract would be fantastic. So <laughs> I mean, to me, you can I, offload I, that. You can almost offload that contract and just give it to Judge or something like that. You know? Exactly, and that way you can keep both Judge and Glaber, which to me right. is kind of fifty-fifty at this point, given that they're both two of the biggest stars in baseball today. To, so you you mentioned before that Judge is kind of one of your dream interviews. I mean, of course, he's face of the franchise arguably today. How difficult would it be, because I know obviously Twitter exchanges is one thing, but how difficult would it be going through, of course, the PR system and Jason Zillow and all those guys trying to get those big-type interviews during this time? And have you tried? I mean, yeah, 
the, the Yankees are very hard to get interviews, yeah. interviews from, and as as they should be, you know, the greatest organization in sports, and they handle their shit the right way. Um, but I, I mean, I always when I talk to these agents and all them, like I just tell them like my message to all of them is the same. It's like we're just three really, really, really big Yankee fans that right. only want these guys to win the World Series. We're the most biased people in the world. Like we would never ever release something that would put someone in a bad frame of light like if there's if i mean not that we have in the past but like if there was ever a story that came out in an interview that could screw somebody else or hurt somebody else we take it out it's like like i we, like we would never want like right could you do that like i don't even know how i would look myself in the face in the mirror if i got somebody like suspended or in trouble <laughs> with the team because of an interview like that would never happen so that's always my message to these guys um and it usually ends up working because you know like they they come around they're like oh yeah this was great like we love this yeah. we'll do it again so um yeah no i mean sure like to get through an air and judge whatever it's gonna be difficult but i don't know i i aim high and whatever now whatever when happens. obviously when the whole savages in the box thing happened you guys made shirts and then luke voigt was like we, we need these shirts right and you actually yeah. went to yankee stadium and hand delivered them I did because uh, <laughs> we, we we never we didn't have time to get them um, from the warehouse in time. Uh, so we had like a t-shirt place in the city make them yeah. for us, mock them up, um, and then I took the box and I ran in the New York City summer heat to uh, to the subway and I made the last like the I made the last, the last subway stop, I had yeah. to make. And uh, I remember being on that subway just drenched in sweat with like. A full box of like shirts of people just looking at me like, who the hell was this guy? And then I I met like um, a few people at the stadium uh, that took him in and all that. So it was uh, it was uh, it was quite a day. <laughs> Very stressful. Now now answer me this. This is going to be a tough question. Obviously, twenty five uh, years worth of Yankee fandom here. What is your all time favorite moment as a Yankee fan, either in general or actually at a game? I don't have really anything at a game. I, I, I've never really been to like a crazy, crazy like milestone moment or any of that. I went to judges like 495 foot home run against the Orioles right. um, a couple years ago. That's really, and obviously I was at the, the Wildcard game against the A's and all that, but it, um, nothing with, where like, you know, Jeter's 3,000 hit or anything like that. Yeah, so right. um, my most memorable moment is like a fan watching. I mean, I honestly didn't even see the Jeter 3,000 hit. I was in the car, I was coming back from a travel baseball game. Um, Same and, here. So I heard it on Sterling. Yeah. Uh, I heard it on the radio for Sterling. Um, most memorable moment? I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't like cognitive at the time, but like I always go back and watch Tino's home run in the World Series uh, against the Diamondbacks and um, Brocious the next night. So yeah. those those two always stick out to me as like moments that will always give me chills, no matter what time of day it is. I can just pop it on YouTube and I'll just be like. God damn, I love baseball. <laughs> to, to me, I went to the was ALDS game three. It was the Ibanez game when he pinch hit for A-Rod. Game time home run, bottom of the ninth. The walk off in the bottom of the 12th. That's by far probably the most interesting game I've ever went to. Like a few walk-offs here and there, but a ton of regular season games. Um, and then uh, favorite moment, just like because it was a stupid play, and I was just like, wow, they suck, was when uh, Luis Castillo dropped that A-Rod pop-up, that Subway Series game in 09, 
And to me, I'm like walking away from the TV. I'm like, damn you, A-Rod, popping up again. Just like no clutch gene whatsoever at that point. That was like before the 9 playoff run when he went off. And right. then Castillo drops the ball, and we're just like, ha, you guys suck. I think I was at like a friend's house, and all the all my friends were Mets fans at the time, and it was just that was so funny. That was a hilarious, <laughs> hilarious moment. Now I wanted to ask you about um, this. Will probably be my last question for you. I know you got to walk your dog there. Still bothering you? <laughs> yeah. <I used> to. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to ask you about your interview with John Sterling because uh, for me, aspiring sports broadcaster, he's obviously the guy. Um, especially for us Yankee fans. What was that whole experience like getting to talk to John Sterling? And B, what is your favorite and least favorite John Sterling home run calls? Um, when people ask me, like, who's the who's your favorite person you've ever interviewed and all that, I always say Sterling. Sterling yeah. We've interviewed him twice now. But the first Sterling interview was one of the crazier moments, like, of my life because as a Yankee fan, like, your whole life, when you're in the car and you can't watch him, you hear Sterling on the radio telling you what's going on. It's like, it's just part of your life. Yeah. And, um, you know, it'd be me and my dad and all that, and we just listen to him on the It would be great. Um, and he was almost part of our family at that point. Um, so to be there down in Tampa and, like, two feet away from him, like, like mid-interview, I remember, like, like he's answering a question, I'm just like, holy shit! Like John Sterling's just right. Like that voice is real. Yeah. It's like in a per- it's in a human human body, and he's just like he's just talking to us. Like we're just and he even complimented us at the end of the interview. He's like, this was great. Like you guys are you Keep guys are thing, yeah. and all that. I was like, what are you? What's happening right now? So uh, that was one of the moments where like kind of was surreal, and I'll never kind of forget how that all worked out. And we were just interviewing him in his hotel and all that. So that was crazy. My favorite call. Has to be Thrilla from Godzilla. I love that. Yeah, Hideki, that's a good one. I'm a Matsui guy at heart, so um, he's one of my favorite Yankees ever. So Thrilla from Godzilla is my favorite. Least favorite? I mean, it has to be kind of Stan, right? Stan's is so bad. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. You have to learn like, Italian for that. They're all good. They're all bad and they're all good. Like, But um, I guess it would be Stan's. <laughs> you had to learn Italian for that one. Uh, right. to, to me... The one that always makes me laugh is Robbie Cano, don't you know? Yeah. And then, There's a lot of really good ones, man. And then the, the worst one that I've heard, just because, I mean, to, in a way, they're all cringy, and if you're not a Yankee fan, they're, they are all cringy. Yeah. But the most cringy bad one that I could think of was Brian McCann's. I don't know if you remember that one. It was like, yeah, it was yes, McCann, McCann whatever, right? I'm like, what is it? It was like, yeah. kitty, kitty, bang, bang, but for Brian McCann. Yeah, that was bad, too. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> Any good uh, Netflix shows? Uh, I watched Outer Banks. I finished Outer Banks last nice. night. That was really good. Um, I watched a ton of Gossip Girl in the start of what? quarantine. Really? Yeah, it was a really good show. It's with Blake really Lively, good. right? Yeah, that's okay. why I watched it, and it ended up just being a really good show. Um, but Outer Banks is good. I couldn't recommend that more to anybody. That's a, It's like 10 episodes, and it's an easy watch. What do you so. think of Ozark? I, I couldn't even finish it. I, I'm yeah. not, it's I was like 10 episodes in. I'm like, I'm not interested anymore. It's too slow. It, 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 this first season's fine, but it's just too slow for me, and I just don't care enough, so I kind of just stopped watching it, to be honest. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I don't know. A lot of people love that show. I just, you know, it's not for me. I mean, Bateman, to me, is a comedy actor. I mean, I guess you could say the same about Sandler. That's what Tommy, not that's what Tommy always says. Yeah. And how, like, yeah, like, he, I know Jason Bateman for his comedy shows. Not, comedy movies, not this. Like, this just isn't him. Even though he's good. Sucks. But 
it's just it's just weird to see it. So so what's uh, what's on what's next on tap for the the short porch? I don't know. I don't know. We kind of just start reaching out to guys like right about now um, for yeah. next week. Um, we've had a really good run during quarantine with yeah, um, Adivino so. and Adivino, Canley, Voigt, and Swisher. It's as good as you're going to get. I feel like out of a Yankee, out of any podcast. So um, yeah, those have been really good. And who knows what we have going on in the future? But we're certainly reaching out to people, and we'll see what happens. And hopefully, honestly, baseball can just start up again, so we don't have to do this, and we can just talk actual baseball, you know, live baseball. So oh, that would yeah. be the idea. Um, but who knows? So it's it's been it's been wild so far, and we've got lucky with the podcast um, and the guests. So hopefully, it continues. I'm so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude, she's only gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.